What's happening, everybody? This is Todd Wilson with Elevate Your Game. Today, we got the OG NBA master trainer, CEO, founder, um, all-around good father, husband, mentor to me, Mr. Chris Johnson. Yes, sir. Happy to be. Man, I just realized that this is a backboard. We hooping here, man. <laughs> this is what we do. I like it. This is what good. we do. Welcome to the show. We just talk hoop, culture, and getting better, elevating your game. I know that's what you're all about. Um, first thing we do when you come onto the show is we look at the wall of basketball movies, hoop movies. Yeah. What's your favorite of all time and why? So when I was looking at the wall, it took me back to a couple of movies like Above the Rim, but my favorite movie um, that I watched, and this is the reason why it's favorite because I watched it like every day for a year straight had it on VHS, was Hoop Dreams. Mm. And, uh, you know, I love storytelling, but I also like to see how people overcome adversity. And that Hoop Dream movie was set up with real cameras. It was raw. It was, this was like before we do, um, now we, we do these personal blogs and we follow, yeah. you know, reality TV. That was reality. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just so intrigued about the obstacles of someone having to get on a couple of buses and trains and to go to school and how, you know, he's looking at his life and his life is saying to fail. And, you know, he overcame that even with injuries and it showed how his brother was a great player. And so the storytelling of adversity and then it shows the other guy, I can't even think of his name, how he chose a different route. And you know, going through public schools and, and how his father mom relationship. So that's why Hoop Dreams is my favorite movie on the wall. Yeah. Is because of the storytelling and how they overcame adversity. Absolutely. It was it was relatable. It was documentary style. It's real like like we like you said, it's reality T V today. Yes. And people following lives. And that was before a baller's life that or a before YouTube or anything. We could see anything. something like that. Like you said, you have the VHS. I had VHS. You just aged v- yourself. VHS. <laughs> VHS, baby. And that, and that was good because it, it just showed what the basketball could do with a dream. And mm-hmm. no matter what, no matter what we do, whether it's basketball or anything in life, if you have a dream, you're going to have to overcome the obstacles yep. to be able to fulfill that dream. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, NBA master trainer. You've been training for over twenty <laughs> years yeah. now. Yeah, well, coaching, training, teaching, twenty years. Awesome. So you've done it on every level. High school. You played in college. Yep. Uh, coached high school, college, yep. G League, yep. NBA. Yeah. Uh, developed something. I was a GA too. So oh, after wow. yeah, so finishing <laughs> playing college basketball, I was headed overseas. And in the process of the transition of taking a job over there, I actually ruptured my Achilles. Mm-hmm. And in, I know why now what happened. I used to work out in strength shoes, but the strength oh. shoes was not the reason why. It was because I overdid it. I was a hard worker. Yep. And so really, I just blew a bad tire. Mm-hmm. And this was in the process of I already signed my contract. Everything was done. And boom. It went out, and from there, I didn't waste no time. I thought about it. I talked to my college coaches. I talked to my mom, and I was like, hey, this injury says 18 to two years. And at that time, in the 2000s, 
like early, this right. was like 2000, 2001. So like at that time, like your career is really over. So for me, I didn't hang on to the hoop dream. I transferred it into the coaching dream. Yeah. And that I became a GA. So I was a GA in a boot, hmm. getting my master's degree and coaching in college. That was my first coaching job. Wow. That's awesome. I never <laughs> knew the details of that story. Yeah. I knew it was something like that. That's amazing how, and I talk about it often to these kids, that we never know when our basketball career is going to end. Yeah. How we transition into that next piece. Keeping basketball a piece of it is extremely important. You said the key word, though, Todd. Like, the one thing that I've learned in life is transition, right? But you only can transition when you learn how to max out. So even with me being a college basketball player, I was three-time defense player of the year. I led the uh, conference in assists. I felt like I was a really good basketball player, but I did graduate. Mm-hmm. I did all four years. Uh, I was a good person. Uh, I was in the church. I, my mom, you know, they, they had me do some things. But everything in life is a pivot or it's a transition piece. So for the people that are listening, for the young folks, basketball is a great vehicle to take you to different places and it's going to give you the big three it's going to give you access resources and it give you time and so those three things are very important in that pivoting and so i was able to pivot because i gave everything to the game and then all i did was switch and say this is how i want to be a part of the game and we'll see where this goes and until my next pivot and so each level was a different pivot. And um, basketball has taken me to where I am today. That's awesome. I always say, because I'm sure you had dreams of being the NBA at some oh, point course. in your career, but almost because of those decisions you made and that foundation that you set, but that your family set first and that you carried out through what they taught you, you were able to be in the NBA. Like yeah. you said, you've set court side. You've trained the greatest oh, players yeah, yeah. in the world. You have yeah. access to the same thing that NBA players have to an right. extent right. because of how you transitioned and those yeah. decisions you made. So when you, I look, you made it to the league. I, well, <laughs> when I look back at it, I really now even think, because like I grew up with like guys that did make it, and then I realize now that it's a 1% job. I don't even know if I was good enough. I felt like it, but in reality, yeah, I would have made a lot of money playing basketball. And actually, I would have began my career that I'm in now later. Right. I wouldn't have been able to take advantage and push past where everybody's at because I know people that played up until a couple of years ago, and they have to transition. Yeah, they started where you started 20 years ago. So I'm very grateful for the opportunity to be able to transition early enough to be able to take less pay, yeah. to be able to learn from so many different people and um, start a new career and be able to take that. So that that's how it goes. So now I look back, guys, I ain't going to lie to you. That's why you never hear me talk about my basketball career, because I always believe you're only as good as you are today. Hmm. So you never hear me much, but if you go like in my house, like I I had, I was really successful. but that was a long time ago. Right. So it's now it's like, how good can I be today? No, that's, that's great advice for us all. Inside of sports, outside of sports, it's because we have a fresh start when we wake up in the morning. Thank God. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, be able to be our best self. That's um, 
Man, that's, that's, that's a, the gospel. That's, that's good. A, I love it. That's yeah, the be, gospel. Be, be who you are. And I think young people, they don't understand that, that they don't have to be where they're supposed to be. Man, preach it. But you have to give yourself your very best. And when you do that, that you can pivot at any time in life because now you've built a formula of maxing out. So we don't know where we, who you're going to become. We don't know where you're going to be. I don't even know who I'm becoming. What I mean is by that is that I'm going to pivot. I'm going to pivot out of basketball. I'm going to pivot into business. I'm going to pivot into counseling, developing people. I'm, basketball is just a vehicle, just helping me get closer to where I want to go. So I don't know. So just be okay with change. That's awesome. So you've been developing forever. Um, you've worked with top players in the NBA. Mm -hmm. Been right by your side doing it some some for the last five years or so. You have a son though yeah. who is in high school right now, developing. What have you learned from all those players that you developed at such a high level, um, and what you instilled into your son to reach his full potential as a basketball player? Wow. So number one, um, I realized that he needed to be coached by other people mm. outside of me. And what I mean by so that dad is... dad shouldn't always coach their kids? <laughs> it's up to them. <laughs> the reason why is because when I looked at the end goal, I realized that the possibility of me actually coaching him in the NBA is like zero. And the possibility of me being his college coach could be 50-50, depending on where if I would have stayed in that race. And then I realized that most people get their biggest influence from people outside of their household. Mm. So it's my job as his father to put him around people that I feel like can have a great influence on him. And so, and then whatever his goal is to put that people around him to be able to help him. And I think, and I can ask him, but I think it's going well because he's developing. Now, when he was younger, having a skill set is just one component of being a good basketball player. And so what I've been able to do as his father and being, a, being able to take this information that I've learned from all these great players and give to him is to get him a skill set so if he wants to participate at a high level, he can have a high-level skill set. Right. The other four components is emotional intelligence. So that's him understanding that being able to stay consistent here versus going so high or dropping so low. And now we're on this emotional roller coaster, which makes basketball not fun. Right. <laughs> right. And number two, number three is spiritual. Like we want to raise our kid to have spirituality and to understand that it's a higher being than him. It's someone that God we can look to and that is more purpose in life. And the fourth is physical. And then the fifth is IQ. So those are the components that I look at, like, does he have so that he can have this ingredients to become the best player that he can. But my advice for dads is be a dad and, you know, you can help with the skill set or you hire someone that can help him develop a skill set. But the skill set doesn't make you tough. Mm. The skill set doesn't. What make does you make you tough? Doing tough things. Mm. So allowing them to go through some adversity and controversy. There you go. Allow them to fail. You can't come and save them every time. I can. How many NBA players have you seen that 
really did not face adversity, get to the league, and that was their first time hitting adversity and have that Ooh. moment of choosing success or failure and how they responded to it. I mean, T, to be honest with you, like, it's too many to even count. Yeah. And to be honest with you, on the other side of it, 75 to 80% of them did not make it when they hit adversity. They got drafted in a lottery position. Adversity happened. Somebody told them no. Someone said that they wasn't good enough or someone asked them to be in a role that mm. they didn't want to be in when the NBA is all about being a star in your role. Right. And so people, most people, if you didn't know, there's only 1% of the NBA that has a guy that's a superstar. And a superstar normally will have the basketball about five to seven seconds. A role player will have the basketball from four to, th to zero. So that's the difference between being a superstar and a role player is just a couple of seconds. Yeah. And so when you're training, for all the trainers out there, uh, just me giving experience and advice, uh, when you're training, try to develop a player to be able to play with four to five seconds or less because it will carry them to the next level, to the next level, and move forward because at some point, a coach at a higher level is going to demand them to move the ball or they're going to ask them to operate quicker. And the first thing that players say is, is, man, he take away from my game. I, mean, I don't get to play my game. I just posted about that. <laughs> but really, it's not that it's your game. There's only 16 seconds in the NBA to operate once you cross half court. It's eight seconds <laughs> to get across half court, which on a 24-second shot clock leaves right. you 16 seconds. So our training programs is developed from when you're young all the way to take you through your professional and college career, even though the college shot clock is 35 seconds. So that means you're still going to move the ball a little bit more, and eventually you're going to get to that 16 where you got to score. Right. But when you're training for you trainers out there or guys that are coaching and developing players, look at the end result and work backwards so that the kids can get to their peak performance. Mm -hmm. So developing is not about, about me. It's about can I get that player to peak performance. And that's what I try to put in place for my son. So my advice to fathers is be a father first. You know, try to build uh, a resourceful community around the kid and have access. So having access can put him in different rooms. That doesn't mean he's gonna be the number one player of his class. That doesn't even mean that he won't play at the highest level. We don't know what happens when it's time to happen. You just got to wake up every day and you got to win the day. got to win the day. You got to win the day. Love it. And then for those people out there, Chris Johnson has just hooped. This is his, he's a founder, CEO. Yeah. Um, it's not just a brand and, and gear. It is a whole development system you can access online. Um, and it's more than just basketball. Oh, absolutely. He has training equipment. He has uh, the new uh, mental mindset, just yep. with just win. Uh, with, we're talking about mental health performance and everything. We'll hop into that a little later, but go to uh, justwhoop.com. You have access to a yeah. trainer who's been doing it for 20 years at the highest level, but has also developed kids from the ground up that have made it to the NBA. Yeah. Uh, 
the system. And so you don't have to go and look anywhere when it's right. access. The investment <laughs> is very minimal yeah. for the information that you get. And I know that from being with other trainers as a developer myself, I've been with other pro trainers and I, I've learned from them all. But when I understood the Just Hoop system and training the tra trajectory of the guys that we trained and girls right. that we trained right. in core prep or privately shot up, their potential, oh, yeah. their development, their understanding of the game shoots through the roof. And that's why we have some of the top middle schoolers that's in the in, country, in the, country, <laughs> in the world almost, yeah. because his system before that hey we were we were we we're doing well kids were getting better but now they know how to play the game and step in right away i, I think todd what you said about systems uh this is good advice also for coaches trainers and people that are developing young people have a system in place so a lot of times it's not about what you're doing it's how you do it and i think the detail of that is very important so like when I was developing a system of basketball, I realized that systems allow for me to measure and for the person that has been developing a system to measure if they're accomplishing and knocking off certain goals. When you random develop, every time you show up to the court, there's something different, something new, you really can never meet your potential. Doing things over and over again is routine but routine builds habits. Habits build who you become. You have good habits, you got bad habits. Through your routine is how you correct your habits. So build a system that corrects those bad habits and turn them into good habits through consistent work. You wanna do that every day. So versus you coming in and teaching someone everything that you know, how about you sit down and you focus on one thing for that month and watch how fast they improve. And then you add a piece to it. Then you add a layer. And so our system is meant for every level. So the same way I would work with the best player in the NBA would be the same way I would work with a kid that don't know how to play basketball. I would be in the system. So he could work with me his entire life and still never have mastered the complete system. Yeah, you know, I, I remember that when the first time we trained LeBron and like, oh no, he's doing the same thing that we've done with the rookies from that year. And I'm like, what? That's LeBron. But you don't skip steps. You start from the base and you build up from there. Now that some kids progress faster through the, through that right, system right. because of their progress. IQ and all that, or some pros progress faster through that system. You can always advance it and progress it up. But that, that always amazed me. And it's a story I tell these kids who think they made it in eighth grade because they're the top-ranked eighth graders. Like, no, nah, I'm showing you stuff LeBron James right, did. Right. Don't tell me anything about right. what you're learning because basketball don't change. You know, one thing that I've learned even from working with the best, and I think, you know, I know LeBron is the best player to play the game. Best player by far, right? But not only with him, it's a whole bunch of legendary Hall of Fame people and players. But it's one thing that really stood out. As me being a developer, I always assume they know nothing. Hmm. Always assume they know nothing because the greatest people on earth is trying to steal information. And if you assume that he knows something, that was your opportunity to actually teach him something 
that he may not know. That's how one percenters get better. So when I go into something, I always have a system, a base in place that I can go to that allows me to build around the base. And so I'm going to assume that I didn't teach you properly or someone did not expose you to it. So every year when players come back to me, we start over. Now, depending on their level of skill set, their level of IQ, and their hunger, they may start over for three days in the base of building, and then we can jump where we need to go. Or we may need to stay right here. We saw this recently with one of the pre-draft kids. There was something that was off, and instead of doing moving along and progressing, he had to stay in that place to get that one skill right. But once he got it, it was like, oh. Because it's mastery. Yeah. Once you master something, your brain, it registers it like a computer. But if you don't give a, give the student the opportunity to master it, you actually take away from them storing that data. And then we ask for the athlete to recall information or to execute under pressure in a game situation. I can't, this is for parents. Parents, don't expect for your son or daughter to go get trained and develop and go into Saturday's game, <laughs> being able to do a particular move or to execute something. It takes hours, it takes reps, it takes uh, studying. So my expectation even with my son, is we worked on parts of his game that he would never even use in the game. So we went like five years of never working on mid-range. Mm. Yeah, we worked on finishing, we worked on catching and shooting. Because in the little leagues, for him to be super successful, he just got to catch and shoot it, dribble up and shoot it, or get all the way to the rim. Floaters, hook shots. So we left, when I introduced him to shooting mid-range, he was in the seventh grade. <laughs> and we was laughing, I was like, and don't expect to make one. Like, we're just gonna work on it. So give your kids an opportunity, a playground to be free. And when they're going to work and they're going to work on a game outside or, they, or you paying your money for someone to develop them, that will happen at its own pace. Just because you're working on it don't mean that it's supposed to happen right away. Right. Takes years of mastery. It's the the ten thousand hours. It's the repetition. Whatever profession you're in, if you're a doctor, an yes. attorney, a businessman, you didn't learn right away. You didn't. Go, oh, I read a book. I know exactly what. It to don't do. work like no, you have that trial and error in time. And with time, we just get better as long as we're dedicated to the things that are. That's that's so important. I think that will keep the headaches of parents down. So, what does that stress feel like? I don't know if you've ever felt it. Because I think that's an emotion that parents naturally feel because we want our kids to succeed. Right. And we do see them putting the work and the time in. How do you manage that emotion as a parent? Well, I, that's a good question. Being a high school coach, um, I was coach of the year like eight years consecutive in a row. And I realized right away, no matter how much successes I had as a coach, I always had a parent or a parent issue. Every issue comes down to one thing and it's universal and it goes from the pros down to literally. You know the number one issue in all sports? Playing time. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. So when I realized that it doesn't matter how many accolades you have, no matter if I'm producing five division one players a year, there there's always going to be a complaint. So you have to strategically plan to handle these complaints. And so as a parent, I can go back to my to my stories and I say, wow, that parent had really false expectations. And they actually took away from the experience mm-hmm. of the kid. Like I had some kids, literally basketball became something they hated. Mm-hmm. Or a sport became something they hated because the parent was in the way, keeping them from failing. Oh, you're not getting playing time, I'm gonna be with the coach. Versus saying, hey, did you meet with the coach? Right. Because I'm not at practice with you. So what keeps me in check is that when I talk to my son or daughter, have you talked to coach about your role? How is your practice habits? The way you practice is the way you're going to play. So if you go through a whole practice and you've only taken six shots in a two-hour practice, and a game is fast forward 90 minutes, I can't expect for you to average 15 points a game when you're not even averaging 10 points in practice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So when I see their performance, because I don't go to his practices, when I show up to the performance, Mm -hmm. his performance actually tells me what he does every day. Right. Right. So there's no confusion. So if he's not happy, which I'm happy about, well, what are you doing in practice? Because people adjust to who you want to become. But if you're not that person every day, when you do something outside of what you do every day, that's when the coach pull you down. Yeah. Hey, what are you doing? You Man. you ain't shoot that in practice. You shoot that. Even the players be looking around like, what was that? <laughs> they never seen you do it. Yeah. But if you did it, no one would say anything because that's what you do every day. They, they usually get excited because like, oh, that, he did exactly what he does. We know he's about to make that. They stand up for the three. Everybody they, knows this. So so that is how, as a parent myself, I don't even, I, I disconnect. Now, you want to see your kid have the best. But I start, even I check myself. When I'm by myself, or I'm praying and quiet. I'm like, yo, that's his journey. Stop trying to dictate the outcome of, her journey just be a part of it and get out the way and if he don't want to work as hard for it that's on him and so I talk to my kids about that and what I do tell them is I'm living the life that I want to live I have dreams I have ambitions for myself so I think the biggest example that I can set for my kids is by me being a dreamer, by me working on my body, by me eating the right foods, by me showing up every day and being consistent with myself, being the example. I think that's gonna have more of an impact on what they become, what they decide to do with their lives. And that's what we talk about. Man, that's awesome. Um, you really recently you recently released uh, Just Win in yep. 10 minutes. <laughs> Uh, what's the full title? 10 minutes. So it's called, so the first ebook series is called 10 minutes to win. And the reason why I wanted to write ebooks versus writing a book is because I looked at our 2023 
of how technology is, social media is, and how can I get people to actually connect? They don't have all day. We don't have like, you got kids, you got, you own a business, you own a company, you got responsibilities, your mentors. I mean, like we only have 10 minutes to really improve our, our life quality. And so I was like, how do I create something for people under stress, under pressure, that they can be resourceful for in 10 minutes? So what I try to do is eliminate any extra verbiage. I try to eliminate like just reading, just to read. I gave a roadmap. And in each book, there's a different roadmap that helps you win your day. So win to me is what is important now. That's how you win. So 10 minutes to win is teach, giving yourself 10 minutes to focus on what is important now, 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 today. So I'm not worried about tomorrow. I'm not worried about what happened yesterday. I just gotta win today. And that's winning in relationships with the way you treat people, you know, and all of that. So our ebook series that we released is actually doing really well. Uh, you can go to justhoop.com to get it. It's on Kindle. Amazon is out there. And we're releasing them one at a time. And so we, are, we have all 10 complete. And with each ebook, we have a complete podcast. And the only way you get access to the podcast is by buying the ebook because the podcast is attached to the ebook. Right. right. And so... In the ebook, we wanted to give a, 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 a regimented assessment to assess your mental performances because people under pressure deal with the mental. Everything in life is mental. No matter what you do, it's going to be 90-10. 90% mental, 10% physical. And, um, and so when I started looking at that, I was like, that applies to athletes. It applies to business people, CEOs. Anyone that's operating under pressure, we need to be able to give them the necessary tools. And so that's what was the whole purpose of putting together 10 Minutes to Win is to provide you with tools that you can operate with every day. And it's you versus you. So it's everything has to do with you and not with what someone else has to do with you. <laughs> Man, the, usually conflict happens because there's something you're insecure about in yourself or you don't understand with yourself and you project it onto other people. Yes. And so if we develop ourselves. Yes. Then we will help develop other people. Yes. And the people who get on your nerves will get out of your way. Yes. Because you either will be on a higher level <laughs> thinking yes. and understand where they belong in your life or they're going to come with you and continue to grow with you. That's, that's how you win. And, and I think we've created a vocabulary system that people can snap back to. Um, a lot of the resources that I took from was over the 20 year journey. Uh, I got my master's when I said I was a GA, I got my master's in counseling 20 years ago because this was my ultimate way of life is developing people. Basketball is just something that allows me to connect with people, but my ultimate training and teaching is teaching people how to live life how to maybe build a routine, how to get rid of old habits, how to, so when people say, hey, you're a great trainer, I kind of laugh because really I'm whatever they need me to be. 
I'm a rabbi, teacher, I'm a counselor, I'm a coach. Everyone needs a coach. Even I need a coach. Everyone, I'm a mentor. So basketball is just something that is a connecting piece. It's important because it's fun for the culture, but it allows for me to connect with people to actually pour into their life first. Yep. And, you know, it's not about Instagram likes for me. I was doing this way before social media. I think social media is a great platform uh, to get information out on. And I think it's a great way to take advantage to get into the living rooms of other people quicker. Um, however, if you treat people properly, you become very resourceful. People, you have to love people. Yeah. And you do it without expectation. And you do it without asking for something back. You just give. And the more you give, the more resourceful you will become. And that's what 10 Minutes to Win is about. So we're pulling resources from all of these top people that we work with over the years. I've learned something from each person. I've learned from you. I've learned from every person. And I say, wow, what's the formula to help people win this? Yeah, that's about Yeah, because when you go back and look at all those superstar athletes that you had uh, in core, I already know why you even call core core. Like when you think of the core piece of like you you had a bigger vision and to give into these kids that need something and basketball is just a connector. 100%. That's what makes your program different than any program in the world. And you can see it in your life, the way you treat your wife, the way you treat your, your own kids. And that's why success will always be with you. So people out there, if you want to be successful, be an asset to the people that are in your life and work with people that are parallel to you. I know a lot of people want to work with people that are in vertical. Mm -hmm. you're, when you're trying to reach up to someone in vertical, you may not be on the same wave and they may be reaching for something different. But if you work with someone parallel, you can actually lift each other up to go to another place. So just look right next to you. If you want to get better, work with people that are right next to you that have the same desire, the same hunger, the same vision, and then you pour into them and you pour into him and you work together and watch how you guys elevate. Yeah, Most people want to work with people on a vertical. As I've seen that in our last five years where in the basketball world, I wasn't, I was working in a vertical, but I was looking at what you was doing yeah. and what I was doing. I was like, these are different. <laughs> Let me figure out what he's doing. And you were gracious enough to lend a hand down and pull me up because I believe you saw the, the mental side of oh, like, I wanted sure. to learn. Yeah. I was like, Hey, whatever you need, I started off just rebounding I'm humble, <laughs> and, and just ready to work in the gym. And from there, the journey that we've been on to yeah, reaching our amazing. success or reaching yeah. our purpose has been you know, in our own journeys in line. And, and we're I here think, today. Yeah. I think you said it, though. And then I think this should be highlighted. It's a difference between a hand out and a hand up. Mm. There's a difference between a hand out and a hand up. A hand up is earned. A, a hand up is someone preparing themselves to elevate. A hand out is you expecting someone to do something for you that you're not ready for. Mm. So I always ask that because I'm always willing to give. If you are the top or you're in an elite 
position. Your job is to give back, to help other people become better than you. But you can't give it to someone that's looking for a hand out because they don't maximize it. But someone that's hungry, like you are hungry, you're like, hey, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to do it. You had a plan. So just as forming a friendship in a, in a business relationship, you're going to level up because look at the people that you're around. They think like you. We're positive. We've never had an argument. We've never had a disagreement. We work through situations. We work through obstacles. And you work through them, but it's because you're thinking the same way I think. It's very difficult. So I need people to understand that. That should be highlighted in the show. He didn't need a hand out. He wanted a hand up. And it takes certain people to say, hey, come on up here. Yep. Because you were prepared and you were ready. Yes. That's it. That's it. That's that gives me some revelation for things that are happening in my life today. There's something that's a specific situation that's very clear now. Just us talking about it. And I knew, I've known this, right? right? I mean, we talk about it all the time, but that just gave me clarity. And I think that's the revelation you're talking about. Yes. What the one percenters look for is like, even though I've heard that a million times right, right now, boom, boom, it just clicked. And so thank you for yeah, sharing that. Because you're a hard worker. And, and <laughs> even with that, just seeing who's been in the gym with you over the years, yeah. it hasn't just been NBA players. No. It is people from every walk of life, <laughs> but all on the same level. And I've seen you invest into them. And they, they have to train. Like when you step on a yeah, you gotta court, go. you got to train gotta go. like you're an NBA yeah, player. Right? It ain't no games. Ball head. But also, you've learned from them and have connected with them and what they're doing. I every do. step of the way. Because I'm a part of, I become a part of everyone's community. So like I'm a part of your community. Like every player that comes in, my job is not, to, I don't have ownership over them. So what that means is when they're with me, my job is to give them my very best. And when people are going on their journey, they're gonna encounter other trainers or coaches. They're gonna encounter uh, people that become very prominent in their life. Is what did I do in their life that make me stand out? And so I realized that, that I can't go on everybody's journeys i've touched thousands of people like even in the final four right now i'm looking at both rosters and i'm like right i got 12 guys in this in the east i got 12 still playing in the west i got 12 still playing 14 and i'm like that's 24 players that's still playing i can't be in 24 different places right now i can communicate through text message and phone calls and i could be there but I want to be a part of their community that they build, their journey that they can build, and I want to help them reach their maximum earning potential. I don't have to ride their coat to get there because I have a gift that has made room for me every year to pour into someone different. And for the players that I work with over the years, you guys know the type of love that I have for you and the relationship that we built. And some may skip a summer and may not come train at Just Hoop. They may say, hey, I want to stay back home. But they always come back. And they you, all, you send them equipment when they want to go train somewhere. Oh, else. that's what Just Hoop is about. Yeah, yeah. We send people equipment like, and oh, I, he's going he's gonna to be here. He's going to be here. 
Hey, make sure they get their pop-ups, balls, basketballs, Everything all that, that they need. And I will develop the person that they're working with. Yep. So that's something that's important to me. I will reach out and whatever that person that is going to be working with the person that is the most important is going to work with, my job is to make sure he has all the resources or she yeah. has the resources. So that's I pull from people. I learn. I, I wake up every day to learn. I wake up every day to be a better person. Um, I think, you know, if we can put people first, you can you can achieve anything in the world. You don't have to steal. You don't have to overcharge. You don't have to. I mean, it's a lot of things that you don't have to do. You don't even have to like um, be anyone else but yourself. And your gift will make room for you if you put the time in to become the best person that you can become. Man, Jesus said it best: love God, love people. And I always tell people this. I tell these kids this because it's tougher to understand for them with the immature mindset, social media, all these out uh, other influences that super simple. Love God, love people. Now we're we're made, we are made in the reflection of God. Yeah. So we love God because He created us, and we honor Him, and we have this the fear of who God is, the love loving fear. But we're also made as reflection, right. so He wants us to love ourselves right. first. Right. And then love people. Love people. If we have, if we fill ourselves up with the love and the vision that God has for us, that we're the head, not the tail. We're, you know, that's important, things. man. I'm, that's great. <laughs> but then we, we love others, right. like Jesus loved others, sacrificially, then we're fulfilled. We right. don't worry about how do I get this, how do I get that. There's purpose in just right. loving someone. So, and you deal with a lot of guys that are in, I call a pivotal transition from sixth grade to eighth grade. So important to have a community of people like CORE that shares the same value, same belief, and on the same path, right? And the one thing that the youth and younger people that are in high school, maybe even college, you're going to understand is, you know, you hear this word all the time is be coachable. Being coachable, let's talk about that. Yes. What is being coachable? Being coachable is being open to receive new information. Being coachable is also learning to see how you fit within that new information. Mm. <laughs> Say it again. Say it again. <laughs> because because people confuse being coachable. Yeah. You know, being coachable is being open to receive new information. And being coachable is being able to see how you fit within that information. Mm. Then you can go to the next uh, next phase of it, which is application. How do you apply yourself? So if you're with the coach and the coach is drawing up this play, look at the entire play. Then figure out what other people are doing and then what you're supposed to do. And you can master his system and still be who you are. There's no one is changing who you are. A lot of players run into that when they're young. Like, man, coach, you know, we, we just running this motion offense. Or are we just really running this motion offense? Or did you not open your brain up to figure out how you're supposed to be fitted into that? Yeah. The most people run into air. I mean, most athletes run into playing time as an issue and fitting in a system. 
like being coached. Yep. And so these are things that you can actually control. If you want more playing time, do the things that are necessary to get more playing time. That starts with your practice habits, your development habits when nobody's watching, your training habits away from the court or away from like that's running hills and putting in the time and then being coachable. The attitude side of it. Right. The third part of that for the, for, for the middle school guys, y'all listen, is body language. Talk to them. Okay. Body language speaks louder than your words. You know, someone say something to you, you roll off, you roll instead of standing and looking them in the eye. And whether you disagree or agree or not, you have to take the information in first. Then you can formulate your opinion. Mm. Body language um, happens in the court. You miss a shot, right? That shot that you miss was that big of an impact on the game. Very small. So just win is built to teach you to overcome those moments and have next play speed. If you want to be successful, have next play speed. How fast can I get to the next play? How fast can I correct myself? Because failure is not missing or making shots. Failure is not turning the ball over. Failure is not having a defensive breakdown. Failure is having bad body language, sitting on the bench moping. The response it's the, to, the, to the thing that's your... So that's answer. just when. Mm-hmm. Choose, every day we get to choose our response. Mm. So I want to yes. teach you how to choose your response. Those are three key elements that I've looked at when they're dealing with middle schoolers, high schoolers. It's time, plan time, body language, being coachable, and then transitioning. So you got a big job. Core Prep has a big job. They're helping kids choose a high school, how they transition, and then do they stay successful after leaving the nest. Right. Right. Setting that foundation. Yes. And, And a lot of it, we plant seeds and our hope and prayer is that when we send them on to high school, the coach continues to grow it. Mm-hmm. Their parents, we do a lot of parent education. There you go. Extremely important to understanding how this game actually works and right. not what everyone is telling them. Right. And then we want to, this is where it's important for the coaches and player developers, trainers to understand something like just win. So they get oh, the it can really side. help. Not it, just the basketball. It's skills. not basketball. It's easy. We can teach anybody how yeah. to dribble, shoot. Yeah. That's that's easy. But it's these other intangible things that send a player to that next level D- to go to college now yeah. because everyone has access to the same skills development. Yes, yes. it yes. is about the it's, other it's side. It's the mental side, yes. and that's what Just Win is about. And uh, I, I would suggest that you guys go out and pick up that first ebook, and we'll be releasing. Um, them other ones slowly. Uh, the second chapter with in, in How to Win in 10 Minutes is about taking a mental timeout. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mental timeouts are very important because if you look at your life as a battery charge on your iPhone, your iPhone warns you when the battery gets to yellow. It tells you, hey, we need to charge with 20% or low. 
when you get to 10%, it starts to go red. And you, everybody's looking, you got to charge it? Yep. You got to charge it? <laughs> I got to get your Why you need charge? I'm about to die. <laughs> but that's how we treat our life. Mm. Mm. We don't recharge or we don't address anything until we're about to die. So that, the battery's on red. The battery, that's where everybody responds when it's on red. So what volume two of how to win in 10 minutes of taking a mental time out is teaching you how not to reach that area, mm. how to position yourself early on to say, Todd, I need a 30 second time out. In the middle of a conversation, I need 30 seconds. I need one minute. Why do you think they, they have those built into the game? Mm -hmm. If not, the game would just go and nobody no, like something happens and my team needs a second to recruit from that. It's the same way you respond to your mental mindset. You know, you may sit in your car for five minutes and practice what we call the MVP. Meditation, visualization, and positive self-talk. MVP could be five minutes or it could be 20 minutes. Just being able to meditate. Meditate doesn't mean it means silence and working on your breathing, visualizing yourself. You can see yourself doing things of success and you can see yourself doing things of failure. And then positive self-talk. Whenever you find somebody say, I can do it, keep going. You finally normally find people, you're correcting young youth people saying, man, God, I can't do this. man." So positive self-talk is very important. And that's something that we came up with MVP. But volume two is about mental time out. And we've created some assessments that allow you to assess yourself to, for you to figure out when your battery needs to be charged before it gets too red. And if you can get there and you learn how to manage your mental timeouts, you will be successful in every part of your life. Knowing when to take a timeout in relationships, in sports, in the classroom. I just need one minute. Like, what? I need a minute. I, I got to take a timeout. You breathe, you work on yourself, then you come right back to it and you're ready. So it's okay for you to take mental breaks and some people may need a whole day so we break down 24 hours or eight hours uh you know three days you know and so even recharging from basketball there's a moment for you young people because you go from season into like aau or summer ball you need to have a moment of transition of what does that mental timeout look like yeah so when people say hey you're gonna burn them out nobody burns out of anything in life mm. but the mentality will burn out. So if you can just win that part of that and transition, you actually set up the necessary systems and tools for your life. And that's what sports is about. So successful <laughs> people have mastered how to navigate in the tools they need to have the mental capacity to handle everything they can handle. That's why you have people who can do a million tasks in one day and do it every day on rhythm and not take breaks versus somebody who's burning out because their mental capacity is not strong enough yes. to handle that whatever's next. So it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that the person that you're seeing have success don't have the same obstacles. They just know how to manage them. They got a system in place. 
whether they can acknowledge their system or not, there's something in place to help them overcome obstacles. Because we're positioned with them every day. So you have a skill set and a system with it. Now, if you can pull it out and learn like, oh, I've mastered this, I mastered that. Now you can pass that system on. Hmm. That's what I created. So I'm a system guy. And from the system, you can create your own system. Right. So the ebook series that we're first releasing is helping you create a system to win the mental battle. And once you create the system, if you didn't know you had a system, my job is to give you a base. Then you go and create your own system. All right. So our next segment of the show, we're going to hop into my Rushmore. Okay. It's going to be Chris's <laughs> top four current yep. high IQ players in the NBA today. Yeah. Who's your four? <sighs> Let's so, do this. So my Mount Rushmore for the top IQ players. And that that's a skill set mm. that is only measured by opinion. So you'll know. <laughs> this is no, this yeah. is my opinion. Because you can't measure it. It's not in the scorebook. It's not uh in the three point percentages. It's not in the record book. But in order for you to win, you have to have people with the highest mm-hmm. IQ. Yes on your team period and this has nothing to do with position yeah regardless of position so i should start with my do i have does it have to be in chronicle order no, it's your or top anything? four period no order you okay. can put order to it if you want to but there is no order Just okay i won't give four. it an order but right off the back uh Jokic from denver center um i study him i watch him play uh, I've never trained them. I would love to be in the gym with them uh, because I feel like I could do so many things with them. But he would be a, um, a joy to coach. I think that coach has really showcased his coaching ability mm-hmm. by tapping into this guy's IQ. His IQ is very high from an offensive standpoint because he can pass, uh, he can score. Um, he can catch and shoot. Uh, he can manipulate. Uh, he's not very fast. Mm-hmm. He's not very vertically inclined. So why is he the two-time MVP with the number one team in the West? It's because of his brain. Yep. He can play multiple positions. I just seen the other day, they came out of an ATO, which is, is after timeout situations called ATO and they ran a pick and roll live to AG with him running a point. And I was like, you can't do that everyone. Not because they don't have the tools because they don't have the IQ. So Jokic is one. Okay. Number two, we'll go right to the Lakers. Mr. LeBron James, King James himself, his Basketball IQ has to be the highest, if not the highest, of any player that have played the game. And the reason why I say that is a lot of people that look like him. There's a lot of people that's his height, his size, his explosiveness, but they don't see the game. I've trained them. Mm -hmm. I was like, hey, this, this. They don't see it. 
but he sees it. He can play any position on the court. He can play the one. He can play the five. He can be the pick and roll guy. He can be the guy coming off the roll guy. He can be the low man on defense and control the whole defense, or he can be that guy still in that two pass away still. He can coach you in a huddle. <laughs> he can. <laughs> he knows who's a shooter. Yep. He knows who's a driver, who's a post-up guy. And when I look at that IQ of saying, he knows where other people on the court should be, what they should be doing, how they should be doing it. And he knows what he's supposed to be, what he's doing, and how they're supposed to be doing it. And he can make other people better. Yep. That is a high IQ. You can see it in the flow of the game. When AD haven't got his touches, you can see, I don't know what coach called a play to land on the sideline. You can see Braun come out and say, it needs to go to big fella. He understands that. Yeah. Or he understands when to. Those are things that don't, you can't put, there's no right. like stat for that. Right, no analytics. For there's it. no analytic. Yeah. And that's what has separated him in the point of, being able to win at a very, very high level. My third one, Steph Curry. Yep. Steph Curry is 6'2". Not the fastest. Not It goes back to how he sees the game. He plays with the basketball. He plays without the basketball. He um, can guard multiple people. People would say he's not a great defender, but he knows how to position his body properly. He understands how to verbally communicate. Uh, he's always talking. He he can do anything. He, can. he knows when to shoot. He knows when to drive. He knows when to make the right pass. He, you can see that he understands every part of the game. And he's a different size than Jokic and Braun. Right. He's a smaller player. And so he's able to think through the game as a chess game. And I think what makes him a great shooter, and Steph, you can come on this show and we can talk about this. My opinion, and I'm just doing some studies over the last seven to eight years, I think one of the reasons why Steph is the best shooter the game has ever seen is because of his golfing regimen in the mm. summer. My opinion, Steph, holla at your boy. Hit me up. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. You know, but every guy that I've developed that is an avid golfer is an amazing shooter. Hmm. Every guy. I'm going to pull some research on that. I like I, that. I, can, I, I, can put I, the, I believe it. So I've been studying the correlation between golf and basketball. Because golf when it comes to, sh to putting and to hitting, it requires the brain to tap into what I would consider the same thing when it comes to shooting. That's why everybody's not a shooter hmm. in basketball. But it's something that has to do with his golf regimen in the summer. Maybe because he plays twice a day. It's something outside of basketball that allowed him to tap in here to separate I like that. The mental. Something's mental. Some, some, some type of connection there. Okay, Curry. And my fourth, Jimmy Butler. 
And the only and the reason why I say Jimmy, uh, Jimmy can take any team and learn how to win. Mm. Yeah, he's an ultimate winner. He's not even it goes back. He's not the biggest, not the strongest. He don't have to dunk, but Jimmy is a domino player. He is a card player. He can look at his hand and look at how to win with what he has. Most people look at their hand and they say, ah, oh, we don't have enough. He looking at his hand and saying, how can I figure out to get the most out of what we have? That's IQ. Yeah. That is ultimate IQ. He has defensive IQ that separates him. He understands when to help, when to be in position to charge, when to block your shot, when to um, you know, get in the passing lanes, how to zone up. So as a coach coaching him, you can do a lot because he can quarterback the whole team and eliminate a lot of mistakes. On offense, he has a skill set to be able to score 50 in a game, but he also understands the importance of each piece on the puzzle. Yeah. I think that goes back to the way he plays dominoes, the way he plays cards. And so when he looks at the game of basketball, it's like chess. It's like moving different pieces around. And so when you put him in that, for Miami to be where they are now is not because of his ability to score, but his ability to, to maximize the hand that he's dealt. That's separation. So those are, my, like those are my four players that are playing currently, and three are still in the playoffs. Yeah. Yep. High IQ players. Yeah. So I agree with three of them. Mm-hmm. I agree with three. Jokic, this be, you can just see it, like you said, the non-athletic high IQ play and the production that he gets at every level right. with his game. Right. Braun just because what he sees before anyone sees it. And what I find most impressive about him is his recollection of what happened before. <laughs> and I don't think it just goes back to the game he just played. No. I think he has this catalog of every game that he's ever played and he's ever watched and can recall he can pull exactly from what happened. The passion and love for the game is, is, is just there. Curry, you, everything you spoke about, Interesting the connection between the golf and the shooting, but also his ability to read the defense in yeah. 0.01 seconds. Second. <laughs> it does not, as soon as he sees how you're playing him, he knows how to come off of whatever screen. And he knows he may not touch the ball for three more passes. He knows those he little things. Move. Those are the things I try to teach. Like, Yo, watch Curry and Clay and how they read. Now, my fourth, all respect to Jimmy Butler, 100%. Uh, see all of those things. I'm I'm torn between two. And it's Drew Holiday mm-hmm. and Draymond Green. Yeah, oh yeah. Those two. Yeah. And this is the, their defensive presence. And if I'm have to choose and put the fourth person in there, I'm gonna to have to go Draymond. I know you're gonna go Draymond. The ability on defense to quarterback it. Mm-hmm. He he's just I've never seen – it looks like offense when he's out there. He looks like he's the point guard on defense and how to read who to guard, how to guard, constant communication. Because <laughs> he guards one through five. 
he don't matter. And and he knows how to yell at people to do what they're supposed to do. Right. I believe Curry's a better defender because he has Draymond. He's oh, had Draymond sure. his whole career. His whole career. And at one point, Draymond was like, yo, Curry, hey, because there was a point where Curry had to work on his hips to get him loose to be laterally quicker and to, you know, the IQ he understood. But I believe Draymond elevated that, talking about latching on to somebody and bringing them up. I think they've helped each other offensively, defensively. And then on offense, Draymond's ability to get the two people that everybody's trying to stop open shots anytime he wants to almost. <laughs> and they, they've created, you know, that, that get action is yeah. it's like Draymond's thing. I believe they, the, the Warriors truly have taken that concept and then made two players unguardable. Because of Dre. Because of Dre. Yeah. Because of his Dre, ability Dre's, to read a play Dre's at a his size. Player. He's only 6'7", six, 6'8", six, yeah. six, six, but plays big and can handle the rock yep. and make decisions like a guard. Absolutely. So, that's a tough one. Yeah, he's right there. Yeah, that's, that's good. I'm sure there's current, some, Of current players. Current, current players. Of current players. Current players. <laughs> if not, we would be here forever. Right. Because right. I got some players that are not current, and I got some players that are in the league that are very high there, too. Absolutely. All right, so this is where we take um, – we go back in time here. We hop in our DeLorean. We're going to go back to a day, a moment in basketball history. I want to know where were you when this moment happened. Okay. What did it make you feel? We're going to go to the moment, 1998. Okay. Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Still in the ball from Carl Malone in the post. He's on the back side. Yep. Mm-hmm. Getting that game-winning shot. Mm-hmm. Where were you? How did it make you feel? Let's talk about that moment. 1998. I was in college. Uh, I was like a freshman, sophomore in college. Um, so the finals was in June. So I was probably getting ready for summer one. Uh, summer school, at least one course uh, to get your housing paid for and do your scholarship or whatever. Uh, I wasn't going back home anymore in the summers. I was focused training. So I was at college and I probably was watching the game in my apartment with my college teammates at that time. But I, I could see the play vividly. Like right away, Carmelo caught the ball on the right block because that was his place. He, that was where he did the most damage. And Michael came across the baseline side of that. And when he graduated, put the ball down, Michael knocked it right out of there. It was a steal, transition, no timeout. There was no timeout. Phil Jackson didn't call a timeout. And he come down, and the clock is on him. Byron Russell's guarding him in that moment. And that moment, Michael has... He's had many of the moments. I think what separate Michael from a lot of players is his ability to perform under pressure. So he got to something that the defense allowed for him to get into, and he made that shot. If he Russell would have stayed on this side, he would have just pulled up. So everybody watched the crossover. But I look at the IQ of Michael Jordan to perform under pressure to get that shot and his ability to have the right mechanics form and follow through in that moment. If you go back and watch that moment, he stood there and was holding his, it was the definition of what we ask players. Hey, hold your follow through. 
It was because it, you know, Michael was a avid golfer. Mm. <laughs> so when I say shooters, I'm not just talking about people who shoot threes. Michael Jordan would play a round of golf before playoff games. And then people wonder why he never missed game winning shots. I'm telling you, there's a correlation between golfing and the connection between being able to keep your focus on taking this ball and hitting it whatever distance and getting it to the marker. And like it's in the brain. Yeah. But it's made Michael special. And if you go back and really listen to all the articles and everything that was written about him, the first thing they say is, Michael was out playing golf. Michael was out playing golf. Michael played four rounds of golf before before he played two two rounds of nine before the game. And he came in and scored 60. It has something to do with golf. And so I'm going to figure it out. And it's something that I've been working on. But I remember that play in that moment. Yeah, I, that's when I actually first started playing basketball. 98? 98. So I didn't start playing until I was 11. Wow. Uh, yeah, I got. I came to the game late. I was, you know, I just ride my bike outside, but I uh, came to the game late. But that was the first playoffs I watched, and I knew what was going on. Yeah. I wasn't in the hoop like that. I mean, I saw, I saw the other championships, maybe, you know, the last yeah. games. But this is the first one where I understood who, who Michael Jordan was. Right. And how big that moment was. That moment was huge. I, that was a game six, too. Game in six, Utah. Yes. In, yep. And, you know, Stockton, Byron Russell, uh, Malone, Ostertag, and Hornetag. That's crazy. I'm a basketball, you know. Mm-hmm. When, it, when it comes to basketball, I know the history of it. And on the Bulls team, you know, having uh, Steve Kerr. It wasn't Paxson. Yep, it was Kerr, Kerr on that wing yeah. over there. And Pippen, obviously. I think Dennis was on that squad, and I don't know if it was Lou, uh, uh, the big center, Luke Lonely, uh, Luke Lonely uh, in there, but he had a few other ones. And so, you know, Phil was known for not calling timeouts, but it wasn't that he didn't call timeouts. He let his team fail in the regular season. So he wouldn't call timeouts to see how they were handling it. He knew over the course of a year, the more that they could figure it out between themselves, the more that they could win when they became tight because he had no control as a coach. <laughs> smart man. Yeah, smart man. That's why he won so much. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, that was a huge moment just in basketball, probably one of the most, probably most watched plays ever. Yes. With, with Jordan hitting Pitchers, shot, pitchers you know, on shirts. Everything. And was it a push off? Who knows? They didn't call it. Yeah. And uh <laughs> well he stopped that bucket. he stopped the brakes real fast, bro. It was yeah. right. And and so it was the six the, the six six champ six sixth and final championship for Jordan. Was that the final one? That was the final one. That was, you know, the shot that he retired on was that moment. And then he came back. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And then he came back. And so uh yeah, this monumental moment. Love to recall just the history of who now, who trained Michael Jordan? So that's a question me and Norris Cole. Norris Cole, shout out to Norris Cole. So we have this So me and Norris Cole, we've been cool a long time. And, you know, I'm always studying people. And the question always comes out. You know, you see nowadays, you know, when there's a player that has success, you see the trainer right there, whatever. My question, and maybe you guys can answer, drop that 
down in the comment section of that portion of this show and tell me who was Michael Jordan's skill trainer? <laughs> because I think Michael Jordan's imagination was a skill trainer. Now he picked up things from certain people. Shout out to Tim Grover. Tim, you stopped calling me. Tim, Tim, <laughs> Tim sent me and D-Wade a photo. But, you know, Tim helped him off the court. I know he did. He had some rebounding stuff set up. But when I watch his finish package, the way he finished, this is what we teach him now. Mm -hmm. Who taught him? Yeah. Who taught him how to go full speed and stop on the dime with the proper ball placement? So John Lucas said, asking the same question. John said, his brother, he said, if you watch Jordan and all the moves he make, he says some park dude. That's where he got all his stuff from. The one-hand pump fakes, the up and unders. He said he learned that from just hooping at the park when he was younger. He mastered it. Yeah. His footwork. It, it's the things that we teach now, which is everything's teachable. Right. But my question is, please come <laughs> who forward. Taught, who taught him? <laughs> who taught Michael Jordan? The, the signature moves that he made that we're able to now teach and duplicate mm -hmm. to other players. But who taught him? Because I want to talk to, not Michael. <laughs> I'm talking to that. Because I've talked to Michael. I want to talk to the person that taught Michael Jordan so I can steal all of his information, please. <laughs> oh, right. Call me. <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right, thank you. So, Chris. You got a 24-second shot clock. Okay. Let all the people know. We'll have all your handle and everything in the comments or in the uh, description section below how to connect with you with uh, Just Hoop, with Just Win. 24-second shot clock. Let the people know um, anything you want them to know. Well, I want to be a resource uh, to all of you up-and-developing coaches, old coaches, new coaches, uh, for parents, for the players. You can reach us at justsoup.com, you can go onto our site there, or we have a text community that you can reach me directly. It's 310-388-8610. Uh, text us directly, and we'll respond to you. You can put your information. We'll build a personal relationship. My job is to be here for you, to give every knowledge and things I've stole from other people. <laughs>